There are few words which are used more loosely than the word civilization. What does it mean? It means a society based upon the opinion of civilians. It means that violence, the rule of warriors and despotic chiefs, the conditions of camps and warfare, of riot and tyranny, give place to parliaments where laws are made, and independent courts of justice in which over long periods those laws are maintained. That is civilization, and in its soil grow continually freedom, comfort, and culture. When civilian reigns in any country, a wider and less harassed life is afforded to the masses of the people. The traditions of the past are cherished, and the inheritance bequeathed to us by former wise or valiant men becomes a rich estate to be enjoyed and used by all. Winston Churchill, 1938 The liberty, the unalienable, indefeasible rights of men, the honor and dignity of human nature, the grandeur and glory of the public, and the universal happiness of individuals were never so skillfully and successfully consulted as in that most excellent monument of human art, the common law of England. John Adams, 1763 When I was four years old, a mob attacked our family farm. There was a back entrance, a footpath into the hills, and my mother led me there by the hand. We're going to play a game, she told me. If we have to come this way again, we must do it without making a sound. My father was having none of it. He had a duty to the farm workers, he said, and wasn't going to be driven off his own land by hooligans bust in from the city. He was suffering, I remember, from one of those diseases that periodically afflict white men in the tropics, and he sat in his dressing gown, loading his revolver with paper-thin hands. This was the Peru of General Juan Valesco, whose putsch in 1968 had thrown the country into a state of squalor from which it has only recently recovered. Having nationalized the main industry, Valesco decreed a program of land reform under which farms were broken up and given to his military cronies. As invariably happens when governments plunder their citizens, groups of agitators decided to take the law into their own hands. It was the same story as in the Spanish Second Republic, or Allende's Chile. The police, seeing which way the wind was blowing, were reluctant to protect property. Knowing that no help would come from the authorities, my father and two security guards dispersed the gang with shots as the latter attempted to burn down the front gates. The danger passed. Not everyone was so lucky. There were land invasions and confiscations all over the country. The mines and fishing fleets were seized. Foreign investment fled, and companies repatriated their employees. The large Anglo-Peruvian community, into which I had been born, all but disappeared. Only many years later did it strike me that no one had been especially surprised. There was a weary acceptance that, in South America, property was insecure, the rule of law fragile, and civil government contingent. What you owned might at any moment be snatched away, either with or without official sanction. Regimes came and went, and constitutions were ephemeral. At the same time it was assumed, 
by South Americans as well as by expatriates, that such things didn't happen in the English-speaking world. As I grew up, attending boarding school in the United Kingdom, but returning to Peru for most of my vacations, I began to wonder at the contrast. Peru, after all, was on paper a Western country. Its civilization was Christian. Its founders had thought of themselves as children of the Enlightenment and had been strongly committed to reason, science, democracy, and civil rights. Yet Peru, indeed Latin America in general, never achieved the law-based civil society that North America takes for granted. Settled at around the same time, the two great landmasses of the New World serve almost as a controlled experiment. The North was settled by English speakers who took with them a belief in property rights, personal liberty, and representative government.